Hi, everyone. This is Hal. Welcome to my next podcast in Hal's Donut House. I'm sitting with a cherished friend today, Melissa Franzen. We uh, came across each other in, in, in a bunch of the managed Facebook communities and became friends over the years. And um, I put a post up on my personal feed about uh, COVID and uh, how important I thought it was to um, get the vaccine for respect of other people, for your own safety and your own health and so forth. And uh, Melissa and I got into a little conversation about it and I, and I realized that she had a story to tell. So I wanted to sit down with this wonderful person and just say hello and have a conversation. And it's a little food for thought. It's a little, you know, it's, it's an experience. I'll put it that way. So Melissa, hi, thank you for doing this. How are you first off? Hi, Hal and Hal's Donut Pals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing okay, but I'm, I'm ready to cry today. <laughs> yeah, this is it's going to happen. Yeah, we do. I do sad ones. I do happy ones. I do silly ones. I do moving ones because it's all a part of life. You know, life is not filled with a bunch of, you know, pink unicorns and, and, and daisies. Sometimes there's, there's hard times. So, uh, okay. So let's start off, I guess, with, uh, let's talk, we're, we're going to be talking about yourself and we're going to be talking about your dad today. Mm-hmm. Um, so go back as far as you want and, uh, let's talk about it. Sure. So, um, I'll talk about my dad a little bit first. Um, I think it's important to know that when we talk about him, he was only 54. He was not very old and um, he was a Navy veteran. So he served the country for a number of years, a, a really long time before he retired. And he, after retired, he, op- he followed his dream and he opened a game store. So our family, um, owns and runs a game store down in Texas. And he was a really vibrant uh, person. He really like lived life to the fullest. Oh my God, I'm starting already. <laughs> um, it's okay, honey. You're loved here. <laughs> you know, they, they just bought, a, my parents had just bought a piece of property and they were going to build like a, a camp. And like, there was a lot going on in my parents' life and um, really we were really blindsided by what happened because nobody expected it. Like not at all. And it, it should not have happened. Um, so what happened at first is my dad had uh, pancreatitis. He got an attack of pancreatitis and it's very treatable, but it has to be treated right away. It's fatal if you don't get treated right away. Um, So when they figured out what was happening, because my dad never got sick, like ever, he's (laughs) never been in a hospital. He never, he never even got a cold, which is really unfair. Uh, And so when, when he was sick enough to ask to be taken to the hospital, everybody knew that it was pretty like (laughs) serious. Mm -hmm. So they got him in a car and took him to the urgency room. Well, I should say they went to the emergency room first, but it was full and they couldn't get in. Um, so they ultimately ended up going to the urgency room, which is not set up to take care of a situation like that. Uh, but 
they took him in anyway, because there was nowhere else to go. And, um, they allowed him to stay there a lot longer than he was supposed to. He was there for, I think a little over a day and they're really only supposed to keep them for a couple of hours. When, when was this in time? How long ago? This was, sorry, this was last August. Okay. So it was not that long ago. Um, it was, uh, end of August. Uh, and I, I think it all started on like a Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday when they had gone into the urgency room. And the urgency room told them that they needed to find a hospital that would take him in because he needed to be treated in a hospital. And so my family started calling hospitals in, um, in their state. They live in Texas and they called every hospital in Texas and every hospital in the surrounding states. They called the VA. They had a representative from the VA calling hospitals um, and they could not find any anywhere. There was nowhere available. Why? It took yeah, it, they were all full of unvaccinated COVID patients and the, the hospital flat out, like the hospitals flat out told them that it's not something that we're assuming. And even the, the VA rep, when she had to call my mom back and tell her that even she couldn't find a place, she was crying on the phone. Um, so, uh, they ended up sending my dad home for a little bit because they couldn't keep him in the urgency room anymore. And um, he was like writhing in pain on the floor. They could barely get him in out of the car. My brother called me and asked me to come down to help take care of my mom. And um, I almost didn't go down because I really didn't think it was that serious since my, my dad is never sick. And um, I finally did decide to go down just to like ease the burden on my brother and sister and, and help out. Um, so I took some vacation days from work and I left and I, about that same time, they, it was two days after they originally found out that my dad was sick. They finally got him into a hospital and thankfully ended up being in town in the town that they live in. Um, and so I flew down the same, I think it was the same day or the morning after they got him into the hospital and the hospital staff had told us that they thought that he would be home by that Tuesday. And I was going to be down there until the following Saturday. I thought, that's great. I'll, I'll be in town and I'll be able to help take care of my dad for a few days, uh, before I go home and things will be fine. And that, Monday. So I was there, I got there on Saturday and my brother drove down to pick me up in Dallas, which is two hours away. And we went home and I was home. I was there. And, and then Monday morning, I remember I was in the shower. We couldn't go and see my dad in the hospital because of COVID rules. So, you know, no, nobody got to go in and see him. And the time before that, that I had seen him had been two years prior at my sister's wedding. So I hadn't seen him in two years. And that Monday morning, I was in the shower. My mom started banging on the bathroom door. She just started yelling, he's dead. And that was it. Like, that was how we found out they had to call and tell us on the phone. We were finally allowed to go into the hospital and see his body after he was dead. 
it, they didn't tell us we were seeing his body. So we got up to the room and he was there. Didn't expect it. And then we had to think about the fact that it had taken us two days to find a hospital bed. And we didn't want to tie it up for anybody else because someone else might live by getting into it. So we didn't get to stay and mourn at his bedside. We decided to leave because we didn't want to tie it up for anybody. And it's so unfair, the whole situation. You know, someone the other day had mentioned it's, it's so hard because we didn't lose my dad to COVID. We lost my dad because of COVID. And we shouldn't have. He was someone who took it seriously. He got his vaccines. He wore his mask. He required people to wear a mask inside of his business, which is in a state that is not taking this seriously. So he angered people by requiring that. And then he died because, because of people who wouldn't do it. Okay. <laughs> I would, if, if I was less than a thousand miles from you, I'd be driving to you to give you a great big hug first off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a virtual hug. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll say like... One of the things that has been really helpful to me is, you know, I, I run a really big online community and we had closed that community for two weeks while we were kind of dealing with the aftermath. And um, when we reopened, I went ahead and posted about it because that's really important. I'm going to tell this story every chance I get. I when you know, I work retail and I, I'll tell customers as I'm ringing them up, like <laughs> I tell everybody. <laughs> I, like it's so important mm-hmm. and so when I, I posted about it in my community just to explain why we had been closed and the support that my community has given me has been really incredible but it's it's also that there's so many people going through such similar situations like there's I think there's like 25,000 comments on my post and so many of them are from people who have either lost a loved one they themselves need medical care and can't get it because, you know, it's considered non-essential, even though they're like living in pain and they, they need these procedures and they can't get them because they, the beds are needed and the oxygen machines are needed and all of the, the supplies and tools and machines are needed for COVID patients. So they aren't available to, to do surgery, like needed surgeries for people. Mm-hmm. And then there's also all these stories from medical workers who are so burnt out from dealing with it day to day and having to see it like it's, it's so hard on these. And I know it's, it's really difficult for people to truly grasp what that feels like until you're in that situation. But this is one of those things where if you can't quite grasp it, you're just going to have to take it on faith that this is important and you need to listen to the people that are down there in the trenches dealing with it because they have no reason to make up how hard it is or how bad it is. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story then. Uh, then I want to, I want to, um, I want to learn a little bit more about what you have of your dad inside you sure that's kind of that's like that's like really important stuff 
So um, my son, as I said earlier, before we started the recording, is a paramedic here in Atlanta. And uh, he's a damn good paramedic. He wears his uh, feelings on his sleeve. Um, almost every shift he's coming home with stories. You know, um, the, the, the emergency rooms in Atlanta at this point, at this, as of last night, I mean, it's been going on for a couple of years now, but at this point in time, they're bringing patients to uh, hospitals where there's literally no room even in the hallway of the emergency room. Yep. They brought a, they brought a patient that had a, a knee injury to the hospital like I don't know it was like three days ago and there was no place to help the patient and the doctor came running out or the nurse came running out and stitched up their injured leg right on my son's ambulance stretcher and sent them back home well because there was no place to treat him there was no place to put him my son had um my son has has a, a co-worker. My son's 30. And uh, he has a co-worker that I won't mention his name, obviously. Um, but he's a paramedic with my son. Good, not good friends, but they know each other pretty well. Some I, I don't know the exact dates, but somewhere about a year ago, his friend that's a paramedic got COVID. And um, he was on arrest, this young kid, young man was on a respirator for like four months wow. in the hospital by some incredible miracle, because it's not common. He was, he, they were able to wean him off the respirator and send him home. This once vibrant 30 something year old young man, that was a paramedic. And if, if, if nobody that's listening knows about paramedics and nurses and doctors, they're not there for the pay. Oh yeah, they're, they're, you couldn't pay enough to, to do right, that. Exactly, you know, it, it's like firefighters. You know, firefighters are the only people running into a burning building while everybody else is running out. You couldn't pay somebody enough to do that. It's not about the pay; it's about helping our our community. So um, this young man, paramedic, um, got home. He will never work again. He's unable to work. After months and months of physical therapy, he's learning how to walk again. Wow. Because of COVID. Yeah. I, that's another thing that people don't understand is that the recovery rate may be high, but that only means that you lived. Mm -hmm. That's not taking into account how it affects you for the rest mm -hmm. of your life. Some people come through it just fine. Some people never walk again. My mom has had COVID a couple of times now mm -hmm. because she, I mean, if she looks in the direction of someone who's sick, she gets sick. Mm -hmm. And so she has the, she get, always gets the worst version of anything that's out there. So she has the long-term effects where it has destroyed uh, her, I forget, one of her organs that she, <laughs> and you know, she's having a trouble getting in to get seen for that. So she's had a couple of appointments and they know that I forget which organ it is, but there's one organ that has, it's failing basically. And she needs surgery for it. And we can't even think about that right now because it's not an option. Mm -hmm. you know, the, um, 
I, I, the last thing I want is we're, we're not going to allow this to go to get political because it's, it's so much deeper than politics. Yeah, it's not about the politics. It's, it's about the humanity. That's like, right. Just do it for your fellow humans. That's if right. you're not worried about yourself, do it for me. Do right. it for your, the kids that live nearby. Do mm-hmm. it for, do it so that you don't put someone else in a hospital or that you don't tie up a hospital bed that's needed by somebody else. That's I don't right. care what your political affiliations are in this circumstance. Right. Just <laughs> right. do it because you care about other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, uh, God forbid you get into a car accident, a bad one. And my son or any other firefighter, EMT or paramedic comes to get you and rushes you to the hospital. I pray that there's a place more than a hallway to put you. Yeah, that that was a conversation that came up when we were looking for the the hospital bed for my dad mm-hmm. is that, you know, like they, my mom had this conversation with an, a nurse that she spoke to on the phone, but the nurse had brought up that if a bus full of school kids had an accident, they would not be able to treat them because mm-hmm. there was no space. There was nowhere to do it. The, the hospitals go on what's called diversion. What that means is, and it's like several steps, you know, if everything's fine and there's plenty of room, and there's plenty of equipment, it's normal. Then if they start getting more crowded and more crowded, they start to limit the types of people that they're allowed to allow into the emergency room. And it gets to the point where all of the hospitals in the entire region are on total, I mean, total diversion. So when you run up with your choking child or your deathly ill family member, the door is going to be locked. Yeah. And I, that is like, it's a nightmare. It's it a is. true like I, nightmare. I recently had pneumonia. And I at first wasn't going to go in. I wasn't going to try to go in at all because I don't want to put the extra burden on the healthcare system if I don't have to. And I finally was like, I have to, I can't breathe. I couldn't breathe. And so I called and they were like, well, we don't have any appointments until the middle of January. <laughs> yes. I was like, okay, well, I can't breathe. And so, uh, and the nurse that I went and saw ended up, he was like, he's like, I think you have pneumonia. We really want to get you in here and get some x-rays. I'm going to double book you. And luckily, like, you know, I, I, I live in a state where we're not as bad off as some other states, but even my state is reaching that point because I've never been in a situation before where I had to wait that long to get an appointment or be double booked in order to get in. And then like, um, I'm in Minnesota and, and the hospitals in our state just put out a letter in the news, begging people to get the vaccine and wear masks because even our state is reaching that point where they can't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, up until now we've, our state has been pretty good. So like really the, the states that were handling it a little bit better or taking it a little more seriously, even are reaching that point where they, they can't handle it anymore. You know, I, part of the, uh, part of the comment that I put in, in the post that, you know, precipitated our conversation today. I listed all of the vaccines that we all got when we were little children. 
you know, the, the one mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people that might be listening to this might not be old enough to remember polio, um, but polio was a crippling disease. And I have a very vague memory of seeing little children in metal braces on their legs because they caught polio and couldn't walk anymore. And let me just point out that those people who are not old enough to realize what polio is, that's mm-hmm. because of the vaccine. That's exactly what I'm getting at. That's right. And, you know, maybe, maybe one in, I don't know, I, I'm not going to get into this political statistics, but maybe one in a hundred million children that got the polio vaccine had a negative effect from it. Yeah. But they're alive and they walked. Um, That's the thing too. Like the, the vaccine isn't a cure. That's correct. So, and I think a lot of people misunderstand what it does. It's not going to prevent you from getting COVID, but it is going to reduce the possibility of you getting it. And if you do get it, it's going to reduce the effect it has on you so that you maybe stay at home and feel like you have a bad cold instead of being in the hospital on a mm-hmm. respirator, the which high, right now, good luck finding a respirator. So the high 90% numbers or whatever they are of people that are in the hospital due to COVID did not get vaccinated. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge percentage. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, first off, I want to thank you for this. I knew yeah, it was. No, I knew it was. I knew it was going to be. It was going to be emotional. I knew it, and and um, you know, Kara, my 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 coworker, mm-hmm. yeah, she was like, "Oh my God, let me know, let me know," and I said, "I will." And um, now I want to, you know, because even in and you get you i think you get this when you get older even in extreme sadness you don't there's no loss doesn't go away the mourning never ends it 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 becomes a part of you of who you are like every other life experience but i think you know i my parents both my parents are gone for many years you know i i've experienced loss um, I'm a retired firefighter and decades ago, and I mean, I'm talking like 1986 or seven, something like that. I was a new EMT in New York and, um, we got a call one day for a, a child hit by a car. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I don't know why, but for many, many people, children's serious illnesses, for some reason, they hurt a little bit more. I don't know why. And um, this little child, I don't know, I, I, it's been a long time, but he was riding his bicycle down a hill in, in, a, in a neighborhood on Long Island and didn't stop at the stop sign, kept going, and he got hit by a car and was killed. Oh, wow. And um, this is decades later. I'll never forget it. I'll yeah. never, ever forget that little child. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of ironic that as I get older, I start to, well, actually when Anthony was born, I started to, I don't know how to put it, hear my father (laughs) in what I was saying or how I was acting in a very loving, positive way. I, um, 
because my, my mom, my mom was the loving, caring, nurturing, you, you bruised your knee, come, come, come here and I'll hug you and love you and make it all better. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's what my mom was in my life growing up. And, and in, in my life, my dad gr- growing up was, uh, he was the supportive, worked a million hours a week to put a roof over our heads and feed us and cherish moments and learn about community. My, my, my dad was a World War II veteran and he was in all of the service organizations and as, as I was growing up and he, he taught me what community meant what real community really means, a responsibility for something bigger than yourself. So it, it, the gift that I got from my parents, yeah, they, they raised me, obviously, I'm grateful for that, <laughs> you know, but the biggest ongoing gift that I have from my parents to this day is the life lessons and experiences they taught me when I wasn't even knowing I was learning them. Isn't it crazy how they kind of sneak up on you when you're older and you go, oh, that's right. That's my, why That's why you did that. That's my dad saying that or that's my mom saying that. So the reason I bring this up is because one of the ways that I've tried to put my mourning or put my loss someplace in my life that makes my life manageable by some way is by cherishing those experiences and cherishing those lessons and cherishing those moments in time that I have as a child or those things that I do today, the parts of my being and my personality that I can directly relate to my mom or directly relate to my dad. So do you have any of those? Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like both my mom and my dad were really strong influences. And I will say, we almost could do a whole nother podcast on my mom. She's really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. Set it up. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, my dad was Navy and he was out to sea. When I was growing up, he was out to sea six months out of the year. and so you know, it was me and my mom and my brother and sister when he was gone. But when he came back, he was such a, like a a big part of our lives. So I don't know this dealing with loss is a new thing for me. I I'm very fortunate in that I have not known a lot of people who have died. My grandmother died a few years ago, and that was really the first person I knew that had died. And then now my dad, but I am also fortunate in that my grandmother was, uh, she worked as a hospice nurse. And so we grew up talking about death and, um, you know, discussing, it was never something that was a taboo subject. So I grew up being taught a healthy way to deal with it, which is really, I think lucky because I don't think a lot of people get that. And, um, but the, <laughs> I don't know that that has made the loss easier, but figuring out how to deal with it afterwards, I think has been a little bit for me. But I, I think back on the times like when my dad was home from sea and we would like every time they came home, we would get dressed up and we would go down and meet the sub coming in to the, you know, into the port. And, and like, I have all these 
these, I had all these cool experiences in my life that I would not have had without my dad. I will say he's my stepdad, but he raised me my whole life. So he's really been such a big influence on me. Like we got stationed in Hawaii, which I would, you know, I would have never lived in Hawaii if it wasn't for my dad. And that was really cool. (laughs) Yep. But, um, like my, it's, it's hard to separate and just say like, this is how my dad influenced me because really it's my mom and my dad together. They, you know, everything they did, they did together. So like when my dad was not out to sea, then my, my mom always had her own business because she's not the kind of person who can only do one thing. So she, she has to do 5 million things, which is why I'm that way. (laughs) So no matter, even though we wouldn't be living in a place for very long, she always started a business wherever we were, wherever we were stationed. So she's run run a stained glass studio and, and uh, we used to do uh, buy abandoned storage lockers and sell stuff at flea markets. And so that's, that was a really, (laughs) when my dad was home, that's what we did. We would go to this storage auctions in the summer. And then every weekend we would go to the flea market and we would all, as a family would all go out there and sell stuff. And so (laughs) I've had a job since I was eight years old, basically. (laughs) I I got paid for it and everything. Like I didn't get to, uh, (laughs) I really didn't get weekends like other kids did, Mm. but it was such a unique experience to be able to grow up with that and be out there learning like sales techniques with my parents on the weekends. Um, I met Bruno Mars actually, when he was a little kid at the flea market, (laughs) (laughs) was he buying or selling (laughs) buying? I sold him a hot wheels car. (laughs) He was, I don't know, like four or five years old. He used to be an Elvis impersonator when he was, you should send, you should send him an email. (laughs) I know. Right. I thought he would get it. That's something that I just remember because his mom and my mom hit it off. And she gave us free tickets to his show. So um, I got to go and see him when he was a little bitty Elvis impersonator, <laughs> which uh, is the only reason cool. I remember. No yeah, yeah, was. yeah. That's those cherished moments we were talking about. Those yeah. little itty bits of bits of pieces of history. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Like, I remember, like we used to, the weekends that we didn't do flea market, we always did something. We would go to a museum or um, my mom and dad used to always take us to, in the summer, they would do a concert series at the zoo and we would go see a, a band play at the zoo. And like, we always, my dad was really big into adventures. So we did a lot of road trips and, you know, like there was never a dull moment really <laughs> growing up in my house. We were always doing something. We were taking a lesson or, you know, participating in a event. I've, I've walked in so many parades in my life. Oh my God. And, and that's all like, I'm just trying to think of some of the other stuff that specific, like I'm at a loss to think of specifically things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember we were always doing something like, and they always made a point of doing it. My, when my dad was going through officer training, we were living in Arizona and the training was in Rhode Island. So we took a train up to Rhode Island and then we did a road trip back. And so we got to drive through, like we went and saw Niagara Falls and we, like my, you know, my parents made a real big point of making sure that we stopped and saw all like the world's biggest things along the the way. And 
we always, we were always doing things like that. It was, it was really important to my dad that we did those kinds of like road trips and things. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you. <laughs> okay. A, a, a loving, caring friend will challenge you. <laughs> okay. And the challenge is, is as time goes on, Look for the things that you say and the things that you do that are a direct result of the loving, caring, and nurturing that your parents gave to you. Like, I, I, I do a whole bunch of things that I can directly, you know, oh, my mom used to do that all the time. And now I, and it, 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 it's weird because you, you realize that, oh, wow. I don't believe I just did that because my mom did that or my dad did that, you know, <laughs> and it's a, it's a very, very positive life lesson that I think the best way that we as adults can honor our parents is by taking the love and the nurturing and the caring and the compassion that they gave to us and give it to somebody else. I think that's a, that's a really beautiful way to look at things I it, agree with that it, it's I totally do, I do find I constantly am I mean more really in the last few months since my dad passed I do find myself going oh I see where I got that from I mm -hmm. see <laughs> bingo that's exactly what I'm talking about yep <sighs> I want to you know if uh, if somebody's listening in on this we've we've been talking for I don't know, a little bit over a half an hour or so. And this is just a little 30 minute blip in time. And there's, there's no way to encapsulate a lifetime of experience in 30 minutes. Yeah. So what I'll say is maybe look at, you know, look at, look at the experience you have or had with your parents and look for those loving, caring, nurturing things that they gave you and, and honor, your, honor your parents, your mom or your dad or whoever it was that raised you by taking those positive lessons and giving them to some, somebody else. Because I think that, and I don't, I don't understand the whole, this, I'm like going through this social awareness experience in this part of my life where where I'm focused on community, I'm focused on family, I'm focused on, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a story. There's next door to me, there's, there's a, a wonderful couple, and they've got four young children. They're between the ages of like three and 10 or something like that. Uh, that's on one side of the house. And on the other side of the house is two little girls and they're best friends, all of them. So it's like six kids, right? And they call me Mr. Hal which I think is absolutely adorable. And I'm telling you that from now on. <laughs> you got it. it. It would be an honor. And my office, if you can see the window here, it faces out to the front of the house. And I always hear in the summertime, even it was, they were out there the other day. I hear the children laughing and joking and playing in the driveway. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's a healing sound yeah the innocence and good nature and I, I call them the little rascals 
<laughs> That's what I named them the little rascals. So, and this is actually a, a little bit of a COVID story. Uh, about two months ago or three months ago, because I listen to it all the time. I love, you know, I love listening to the children. I think this, it, it's so healing and nurturing to hear children laughing and giggling and playing. Mm -hmm. It's just wonderful. And uh, one day I noticed that for some period of time, a few days or whatever, I didn't, I wasn't keeping track. I didn't remember hearing the little rascals playing in the driveway. So I mentioned it to Lorraine, my wife. And um, I went over to knock on the door to see if everything was okay. Why did I do that? Because I'm a member of a community. Yep. I'm a member of something bigger than myself. I have a responsibility to my neighborhood. And that's something that society i think is losing to a yeah. degree and we need to nurture that and propagate it and support it and and the, the dad the dad opened the door and he was very hesitant and he said hi hal yeah yeah the i can't I, i'm not allowed to let the kids out for another six or seven days because one of the other neighborhood kids got covid and they're all isolating and they don't mm -hmm. have anything to do so i sent my love and prayers and everything to them and the next day, my wife and I were at, we're at, at like a Dollar Tree store, one, one of those dollar stores. And I saw a big bucket of the street chalk. You know, the big yeah. giant pieces of chalk that the kids used. And I, I bought two containers of it. And I brought it home and, and my wife said, what are you doing with that? I said, I'm going to give it to the little rascals. She said, that's a great idea. So we got <laughs> home and, and it looked like they were home. So I didn't do it because I needed to do it anonymously. Mm. And when there was nobody home, I took the two buckets of street chalk and I walked up to their house next door and I put it on their front steps and I just left them there. <laughs> and two or three days later, I guess they came out of their isolation or whatever, and all of the children were back out on the driveway, laughing and giggling, playing with the street chalk, having no idea where it came from. They just knew it was there for them. And uh, that's just another example of being a part, bigger part of community. Your dad was in the Navy. He got it. Yeah. He, he knew what, it, he knew what I was talking about. My dad was a huge animal person and uh, <laughs> he would, uh, he would always say no more animals, no more pets. <laughs> and yeah. every time a new pet came into the household, my mom is the one that collects them. <laughs> if my mom finds an animal that needs help, he's getting help. Mm -hmm. And every time a new pet came into the family, it immediately became my dad's. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone listening, just so you know, your cat and dog, it belongs to my dad. Because <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I'll bring up one more thing. And that is, you know, I'm not a very religious person. I'm a very spiritual person. And um, I firmly believe that when I realize that I'm doing something because of the way my mom showed me or how my dad showed me or some experience from my childhood, that's them looking down on me and showing me how to be a parent. Because, yeah. you know, when we had Anthony, it was a surprise and we didn't know we were able to have kids and um, they don't come with instructions. <laughs> they don't? There's no instruction manual when you have a kid. God just sort of like hands you a little bitty person who says, go build a person. And, <laughs> and, like a Build-A-Bear? Yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Takes a lot longer than Build-A-Bear, though. And, uh, 
And I started to see my parents come out in me. And that's, that's the ongoing gift that a parent gives their child. So um, the mourning doesn't go away. Yeah. It, it finds a place that makes it manageable. I have, I've learned that it, it kind of pops up at the most inopportune times, <laughs> you know, you'll be, yeah. be doing you, uh, something and you're fine. And then something reminds you of that person mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're a mess. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, it could be something as simple as Lorraine and I actually, for the first time in a couple of years, because of COVID went to the mall <laughs> a couple of months ago. And um, I'm like the I'm like the the well-behaved puppy dog. I follow her <laughs> around. Yes, dear. Yeah, because I, I get to get a treat and go out to eat lunch or something after after I, I after I'm a good boy, you know. And uh, <laughs> and uh, this happened like two weeks ago. And we're we're at the Yankee Candle store spending money we don't have. And <laughs> and I noticed. A, a, an older couple they were obviously in their 80s or 90s they were they were up there in age walking in the mall holding hands oh and that was my mom and dad yeah that was my mom and dad you know that they till the last moment like flirted with each other and joked with each other and you know gave a little happy pat on the but you know, <laughs> in in their in their later years, Aww. so I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, it annoys my wife, but I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So hold on to those cherished moments. You know, I, I think one of the hardest awakenings I had when after both my parents were gone is I, I had this real odd awakening that I was now the older generation. <laughs> I can't think about that. <laughs> it was very, very weird. It was okay. It wasn't difficult. It was just weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird, you know? Um, but anyway, I, uh, you know, we, we talked for about 40 minutes and I think I know you better than like 99.9% of people I know on Facebook. <laughs> and I know a lot of people. So I want to, I want to say thank you. Thank you for touching me. Thank you for sharing what was pro- is probably the most painful experience in your life. Thank you for letting me put it on the podcast and in hopes of, you know, I, we talked before I started recording that if we do this painful thing and it helps one person to get, to get the, the vaccine or if it helps just one person to tell their mom or their dad that they love them. Yeah. It's worth it. It's worth yeah. it. So I 100% agree. Stop. Don't put things off. Don't put off getting the vaccine. Don't put off telling people you love them. Mm-hmm. Don't put off taking on an adventure. Mm-hmm. I mean, make it safe right now. Don't, don't go, go out in public places. Go to the flea market and find Bruno Mars and sell him a, a, a matchbox <laughs> car. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, that's like the priceless part of this story. M- Melissa Franzen, I could not thank you enough. I, I stand here as a caring, loving, concerned friend. I'm going to get this out on the podcast over the next 24 to 48 hours. 
thank you very much again for everything and doing this. And I'm really, 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 really grateful for everything you did today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to come. I, I really appreciate having the, the platform to discuss this story and, and put the word out there. And I really appreciate you, Hal, for doing this. Okay, it's, it's my honor and privilege. And girl, you made me cry. <laughs> you made me cry too. So that's that's right. We, we cried together. I, I showed you the box of tissues I had ready before we started recording. So <laughs> thanks again, Melissa. Bye. Bye-bye.